0: Hello, this is Adam S. Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. A quick plug before we start, my folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. And now, back to your regularly scheduled RetroTube.
1: Oh, oh I'm properly excited for this one. Wow. And so just, like, leave me to have my excited intro before you tell me how much you hate Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, just let me have these few moments. Uh, okay. Let's go. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back at last. To a brand spanking new series of RetroTube, the podcast where two neurodiverse best friends talk about their favourite old telly where it's safe, sometimes. This week, and for the next few weeks, I'm in charge! (laughs) So, after several weeks of trying to look up Fraser Hines' kilt, resisting the urge to leap through the screen and cuddle Patrick Trout into oblivion, I'm getting freaked out with the enormous mind blast of a psychedelic banjo-playing frog. I finally get to choose some shows of my own. For those of you new to RetroTube, and for those of you who can't remember as far back as 2021, let me remind you that while Adam's favourite television shows are weird sci-fi 70s hauntological freakouts and Doctor Who, I tend to favour bright, bold, glossy, silly 60s action-packed riots. So to start the new series, or season... Depending on whether you're listening in America or the UK, I've got big, huge. When it comes to my favourite television shows, none are bigger, brighter, bolder, glossier, sillier, more riotous, or are filled with more quintessential 1960s joy than Batman. and for a whopping 120 episodes over just 26 months from 1966 to 1968, and detailed the exploits of Gotham City's favourite vigilante crime fighters, Batman and Robin, as they fought a different and more wacky villain or team-up of villains every week in mostly two-part adventures that would end on a cliffhanger, making you have to tune in the following night, same bad time, same bad channel, to see how on earth they get out of their dire peril and save the day. Although it only ran for just on two years, it left an indelible mark in pop culture history, from Nelson Riddle's unforgettable theme tune, to the iconic costumes, to any one of Robin's 359 holies, to the infamous backlands and of course the glorious Biff Bang Pow fight scenes. Sadly, it became a victim of oversaturisation to the American market, and after 120 episodes, a spin-off film, and more marketing deals than you can shake a stick at, it was quickly consigned to Saturday morning kids' TV syndication for the majority of the following 50 years or so, before finally getting a DVD and Blu-ray release for the first time in 2015. Wow. I think Batman is possibly the first live-action television show I ever truly fell in love with when I was about four years old. But Adam... What's your experience of the show? I know comic book heroes aren't exactly your thing, but do you have any particular memories of the show and did you enjoy the episodes we saw today?
0: Comic book heroes are definitely not my thing. Notoriously so. <laughs> I'm not a uh, not an MCU fan or any of that malarkey particularly. I know. Um, but I I would probably have been watching Batman at around the same sort of time I was originally watching The Monkees. I seem to remember they were, they were shown early morning on a saturday probably during the summer time i could have researched this but the vagueness is part of the charm i like to think i think so so i think sort of like it was probably batman the monkeys and banana splits of a morning so these shows that would have been like 15 16 years old at that point which sounds ridiculously new <laughs> but seemed ancient they seemed like a whole a thing from a whole other universe back then so along with the monkeys and the banana splits it was kind of a vague memory of really intense zaniness just like a sugar rush coming out of your telly even in black and white telly i had a black and white tv in those days this has
1: been detailed in the incredible Hulk episode
0: yes. I, i'll put you out of your suspense uh no, i enjoyed it fine i liked it
1: wow <laughs> i wasn't even oh, expecting think- that at
0: all <laughs> shall i shock you shock me i think i enjoyed it more than the monkeys what? i'll tell you for why why because whereas the and i'm saying this is a fan of the monkeys music and also as as we know head the film but as for the tv series i think the, the fact that the monkeys tv show is incredibly zany but also the characters play it zany so it's zany upon zany and it's only really the music that's played straight so they don't apart from your auntie griselda they don't really play comedy songs it's just straight american pop songs Mm. but the situations are zany the way it's filmed is zany the characters all zany you've got mickey dolan's going i'm crazy um and everyone's mugging at camera and pulling faces Mm. whereas with batman the situations are zany the stories are zany but the characters are incredibly, <laughs> like the characters are taking it incredibly seriously they for the most so... part, which I think works. You get the juxtaposition yeah. where, and that's kind of the joke that, and I hadn't really quite realised until watching it now, uh, particularly Batman and Robin, Adam West and Burt Ward. Mm. That's the kind of the gag is how seriously they're taking it. Yeah. And how intense their delivery is with everything so and the whole intense. punching, punching the palm of the hand <laughs> thing Robin does and just everything is delivered in this kind of this sort of really intense imperative all the time everything they say is like deadly serious
1: they are so earnest
0: even though a lot of the time the villains are well we we've we watched three stories we did watch three and stories. the villains vary in their seriousness mm. some of them play it seriously some of them uh one of them in particular and we'll get to it but one of them in, in particular is just basically just doing comedy turn Yes. Which we we shall see whether I enjoy that or not. You might be surprised.
1: I'm I'm already surprised that you didn't like hate it because I'm <laughs> I'm still having nightmares about your reaction to the turtles so
0: <laughs> I mean I didn't hate the turtles.
1: Hmm.
0: I praised the gags. there were some good gags, gags in the turtles you, you that, did. that the tied yes. up night watchman was hilarious. The tied
1: up night watchman was
0: hilarious. I mean that's a great gag. Yeah, so I think I think what makes it is how how seriously all of the central cast are playing it, no matter how wacky the villains are. Yes. All of the core characters are just really playing it straight. Aha!
2: It's just as I thought. Nitrogen is one of the component elements. That orange colour, doesn't that mean uranium? Right in the nose, Robin, you're catching on fast. No kidding, gee. But what about that blue line? That one's easy, it's sodium. Of course, this is a universal wax solvent. So that's how they got into that vault. If the Riddler left this as a clue, I don't get it, do you? Well, there's something here that escapes me. Nitrogen, uranium, sodium. What could it possibly mean? Well, if you take the first three letters of those elements, it spells N-U-S. But that doesn't mean anything. Reverse the order and what do you have? S-U-N. Of course, that's got to be it. But what's it supposed to mean? Robin, I'm surprised at you. You're supposed to be studying French in school. What's the French word for son? Soleil. Correct. The Riddler has left us a clear indication of where he intends to strike next. Back at Madame Soleil's wax museum.
1: What are we waiting for? Absolutely. And some, like you say, some definitely play it straighter than others. Like Commissioner Gordon, nobody's ever been more serious in their life than Commissioner yes. Gordon. I don't even think Commissioner Gordon knows how to smile.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think that actor knows he's in a comedy show, which is which is quite good. <laughs> Do you
1: know, genuinely, Adam Adam West has ca- ha- kind of hinted at that as well in in various <laughs> interviews. Like, I don't I don't think Neil Hamilton had a had a clue. Uh,
0: <laughs> and I also like how colourful it is.
1: It's so colourful, isn't it? It is literally just like watching a comic book.
0: Yeah, and I think particularly the transfer we were watching because obviously, possibly the, the broadcasts on British TV would come from videotape and things like that that Americans had sent over. But this has clearly been lovingly restored, so you can see every minute detail. It must have been shot on 35mm. You know, the colours really pop off the screen.
1: They do. They do. I got the Blu-rays a few years ago, and, uh, yeah, I was just trans. I I sat and I watched, like, I literally watched all 120 episodes in about two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, Because... (laughs) Because ADHD. Um,
0: I- <laughs> <laughs> you can see you can see Frank Gorshin's sweat patches on his costume. It's so detailed.
1: I know.
0: <laughs> and that boy must be sweating a lot. And when you're used to watching, like, 70s Blake 7 and 70s Doctor Who, where everything's different tones of beige, and kind of <laughs> greenish beige, orangey beige, slightly bluish beige, but mostly just regular beige. Beigey beige beigey beige it's quite nice to see something that is it's, so vivid
1: yeah because they really do they really do go for the, the the most the most intense of all of the colors like the pinks are so pink and we didn't we didn't watch um we didn't watch a, a penguin story spoiler alert um but like the purple of the penguins hat is just so purple, and um, it's just... And, like, the Riddler is the greenest thing that you've ever seen in your life.
0: we got some great purple in, in the moth. Oh, yes. one of the... Uh, her, yes. Her sparkly kind of catsuit thing.
1: Yeah, that was that was amazing. That was
0: an incredible colour, yeah. Wasn't
1: it? Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely, absolutely lovely. And um, the, the thing... The only thing I... Because, like, you know me, I don't really notice stuff. But the only thing that I hmm. did notice on, like, w- w- from the restoration, which obviously you don't notice as a child watching it, and you certainly don't notice on really crappy bootleg DVD copies. Yeah. How obvious the stunt doubles are for all the fights. <laughs> 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 Robin, is, Robin is suddenly a 45-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah and also the the cable pulling the uh ambulance gurney that Batman is tied to at one point
1: <laughs> which you can clearly see.
0: It, it doesn't do those things favor a favor, you know, much much of a favor, but it's uh it's worth it for just how gorgeous it all looks.
1: I think because it's so zany and so uh I don't even know the word that I'm looking for, but because it's so obviously not real and not not of this universe it still feels really fresh watching it even now you could imagine it being just just being shown like a regular thing and i think so and i would, think because it would still work
0: because it's shot on 35 mil that they, they were to restore it so there's only so much you can do with that kind of bbc umatic 70s early 80s Uh, that's umatic not pneumatic although that would be quite a a fun way to shoot things (laughs) that umatic video until you get like the the i'm sure at some point in the future there will be ai software that will be able to turn umatic video looking to look like gorgeous 35 millimeter film from the 60s as it is that stuff's always going to look a bit old-fashioned a bit and a bit dated but that you know shooting on 35 mil film even though it looks like it's 60s i mean it looks quite like the monkey's Hmm. just in you know the way it's lit and the way the the images come through on the screen because it's the same film stock it doesn't look like it's coming up for sixty years old, which is just crazy
1: absolutely not um and th- and I think this is this is the thing that spoils me for like modern batman uh incarnations which I know you probably have very little if any uh experience of but my big complaint about all of the Batman since Adam West is how flipping dark it all is. Like switch on a light, someone <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't everything labelled? <laughs> <laughs> what's going what's going on? And um you do get from the the, the various actors and, and with no with no disrespect to any of them in particular apart from Ben Affleck. Mm. Um <laughs> You you either get an actor who is really, really good at being Batman and rubbish at being Bruce Wayne mm. or an actor who's really, really good at being like suave and charismatic and charming like a billionaire playboy philanthropist, but an absolutely lousy, weedy Batman, <laughs> you know, actors like... Christian Bale makes a really good Bruce Wayne, makes a terrible Batman. What the hell is that voice? It's
0: Marge Simpson.
1: Yeah, Val Kilmer again. He made he made a great Bruce Wayne, and didn't make a great Batman. Michael Keaton made a really really good Batman, but was a little wasn't really particularly believable as as Bruce Wayne. And it's just the only the, the only person I've seen since Adam West who has made. A really good Batman and Bruce Wayne has actually been Robert Pattinson, and nothing has surprised me more than that.
0: <laughs> My experience of Batman is I saw the f- I saw the first of the Michael Keaton ones, Tim Burton ones mm. on video a little shortly after it came out, and I thought it was boring. I expected it to be weirder,
1: ah, uh, well, you uh, would or do. something.
0: I expected. T- I expected it to, be, it to be weirder and darker and stranger, and I just found it a bit boring. bit it was sort of a '90s action film. I think it came out like '88, '89, but I kind of think that's the first '90s film. Yeah, I see what you uh, mean in terms of in yeah. terms of sort of the, the feel and pacing of it. It's it's not. It doesn't fall in the same camp as like Ghostbusters or Back to the Future. Exactly. Yeah, it's much more in that really. Gaudy, high camp sort of film that would usually star Jim Carrey and just be like, "I'm really zany," which I really can't stand. <laughs> I, nineties. I mean, there are there are many great nineties films, but the nineties is my least favorite decade for film. I saw, uh, I think, Batman and Robin. The one with Mr Freeze in it, I saw that at the cinema on a date and I, I liked the Glow colours. I thought it was very colourful, I enjoyed that. But obviously, as everyone knows, it's not a great film. And I saw the middle of the Christopher Nolan Batmans and I thought that was really good. The
1: Dark Knight with Heath Ledger.
0: Yeah, and I saw the third one and I thought it was really boring.
1: Yeah, same. But I
0: kind of think taking... Batman and comic books in generally in general that seriously that's what I think as George Harrison would say it's a bit silly it is you know,
1: <laughs> it's a bit silly it is because it's comic book.
0: It's a comic exactly it... so like it's all dark and brooding and you know with these really deep and dark themes he's got little I rubber know. bat ears I... <laughs> I know
1: this is what gets me it's like fellas. Son, kiddo, please, it's a comic book. It's not real. You're not watching a documentary. Gotham City is not a real place. It's all pretend. They don't mean any of it. It's all okay. Yes. Switch your goddamn item.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm aware that there's there's a, a a famous comic book called The Killing Joke, which is I think what what made it all very dark and yeah. the dark Batman springs from. And and I haven't read it, but it, it seems to be like a rewrite of the Monty Python sketch of the most dangerous work, joke in the world that kills people. Yes. that seems to be what it is, which is which is valid, and I'm sure it's all fine. But yeah, I'm not criticizing comic books, but it's just it's just not my thing no I know I understand I haven't got room for another thing I have too many things I understand. already I haven't got room for comic books as well
1: I get it it's okay i I can be the comic book geek between us it's yeah fine. she'd
0: be the comic book geek yeah. but That's i'm it. I'm aware of the killing joke and that it's not just a cinematic thing to make you know these things dark yeah. and brooding but i I do think dark and brooding and rubber batty is, 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 is I think is a bit silly. <laughs> it
1: is a bit silly.
0: I think either this or I really 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 enjoyed uh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, so, you yeah, know, all the different animation styles. So I think animation or wacky bonkers is, is is a great way to do comic books for me, but Yeah, I agree. Trying to do it, turn it into a serious dramatic action film is not my thing. Before we launch into it, you talk about the theme tune a bit. That's... The iconic. See, I Let's I'm of it. the understanding that it's not Nelson Riddle it's Neil Hefty did the theme tune
1: Oh
0: <laughs> I mean you're more the Batman you're the Batman person and I'm not but uh, my scant research suggests that um, Nelson Riddle did the incidental music and Neil Hefty did the theme tune.
1: I don't did you know now you've said this I don't I don't know either. I'm quite happy to be wrong.
0: Maybe we're both wrong it'll turned out to be on oh, no, no, no.
1: no it wasn't it was neil hefty it turns out okay. i apologize i apologize to to I'm gonna have to re-record the intro now
0: uh you poly- you've let you've let Neil down you've let Nelson down but most of all you've I've let, let, let myself down.
1: down I know I know I've let retro tube down I quit you've let I'm you sorry know. there's nothing left for me here um <laughs> Which is a shame because I've just I've just started my I've just started my rule. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the Batman theme tune is possibly the most famous theme tune to something where people aren't really familiar with the arrangement of it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So like the joke there's lots of jokes about na 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 Batman or dinner, dinner dinner dinner. There's lots of jokes about how, how do you call Batman for his dinner? Sodium,
1: sodium, 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 sodium. Exactly.
0: But actually if you listen to it, it's mostly instrumental. Mm. And the, the the only bit that they vocalise, they say So at no point they say dinner dinner or nana nana. So there, <laughs> there's wow. a bit of pedantry for you. That's
1: so that's the most pedantic thing you've ever actually said.
0: Pedantic
1: <laughs> but true. <laughs> I mean I'm not arguing with you. <laughs>
0: But I think I think most famous theme tunes, like people know how the Doctor Who theme tune goes, for example. But also, they'd probably be able to hear it. Or like Hawaii Five O has a very famous theme tune, and mm. everyone knows it's kind of you know the the brass. Da, 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 da. It's like folk music. The Batman theme tune. It's sort of been passed down. Yeah, passed down through jokes. So people are aware of it, but mainly through jokes.
1: <laughs> Only through jokes. Nobody's ever uh-huh. actually heard about Mum's <laughs> <Man's> future. <laughs> it's mythical.
0: One of my sister's friends, this is when they were little, these little girls, and, like, one of them uh, told my mum the Edward Woodward joke. Like, what do you call <laughs> Edward Woodward do if you take away... Exactly, yeah. And my mum said, oh, I'm surprised you've heard of Edward Woodward. And she said, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> She just thought it she was a funny, a funny name. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that, that makes it funny. <laughs> it does.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, while while we're on the subject of Batman-related songs, I sent you a video on YouTube.
0: Hmm, I watched it. You did. I did. Uh, because I'm very good.
1: You you you're the, you're the literal best. Um, because. Uh, all of the marketing and everything—it wasn't—it wasn't just all about Batman and Robin, obviously, because you know the show isn't just them. A big part of the show is is the guest villains every week. One of the guest villains was so so iconic and so well loved that he ended up releasing a single, and this is an actual true fact. And uh, Frank Gorshin uh, released a song called "The Riddler," which is basically. A strange, re- a strange rearranging of the Batman theme tune <laughs> set to <laughs> some really bad dad jokes.
0: Yeah, and then the the, the um the because this was done on the Dean Martin show. So yeah, but it was actually recording. released. Him performing it.
1: It was actually released as a single. Like actually, yes, literally. that as
0: well. Yeah, yes, but the the one I saw was was him performing it, And uh, prancing around. He's a very excitable little little fellow. Uh, he's a very he's, uh, Frank Gorshin. Yes,
2: quite. Riddle me this. What do you call a sleeping bull? Answer! A bulldozer. <laughs> the didler. The didler. Riddle me this! What? Tell me, what? Tell me, what's the difference between an elephant and a flea? Well, an elephant can have fleas, but a flea can't have elephants. Hey, little, little, the whole be <laughs> What did the chick say to the other chick when the hen laid an orange instead of an egg? What did the chick say to the other chick when the hen laid an orange on an egg? The chick said, look at the orange marmalade.
0: Ooh.
1: He was a, a nightclub actor, uh, like a nightclub performer, for for many many years. Oh, okay. uh Before he got into film, he, he started as an impressionist in nightclubs when he was fifteen, and uh, yeah, he really campaigned to get the role of the Riddler because, like, he grew up reading Batman comics and the Riddler was his favourite. Um, in the, he wasn't available for like one episode in series two, and they got John Astin in instead. Um, I mean, you know me. You know, Is this
0: John Astin, as in John Gomez? Astin.
1: Yeah, you know how I love jo- John Astin. anybody with anybody called Astin, I am a big fan. I love them, <laughs> but John Astin, God love him, just far too nice to be the Riddler. And Frank yeah, Gorshin was Frank Gorshin was furious, absolutely furious, and he was like, "That's it, I'm never going back again." He went back for an episode in series three, but like, just that was it. That was just it. He was just absolutely fuming. I
0: get the impression that you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of Frank Gorshin. I
1: would. I would. I. I, I would certainly he not. He seems but,
0: intense.
1: He seems very intense. Yeah. And the the Riddler seems the most intense out of all of the, out of all of the villains. Like everybody else is like, hey, we're out of prison. Let's do this thing. Hey, um, you know, let's 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 rob a thing. Let's let's foil Batman. Let's do the thing. Um, and the Riddler's, like, just... It's, like, just everything about... Like, you can almost feel the nervous energy coming
0: off him. One of the things I wrote down was that the the Riddler is exhausting company.
2: Boss, this
0: is Moth. They're on their way up.
2: I'll be ready for him. Hey, here it is, boss.
0: Oh.
2: Oh.
0: oh. At last I found it. This will
2: lead me right to the lost treasure of the Incas. Every greedy bone in my body cries out, huzzah! Huzzah!
1: My stars, look at that hole in the block's gone.
2: Careful, Robin. This looks like a robbery.
0: Like, he's, he's very exciting to watch. But well, We watched three two-part stories, the first of which was uh, Ring of Wax, followed by Give Him the Axe. So that's a, a Riddler one. And, yeah, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm really worried. <laughs> this guy doesn't stop. He doesn't. He's really worried.
1: You could riddle me twice. What? What?
0: <laughs> 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 well. <laughs> This episode's taken a turn.
1: <laughs> I know. When I was when I was four and I first started watching Batman, I was like, I, I was I was all about Robin. I 100 percent wanted to marry Robin when I was little. Then I realized that, like, you know, I prefer the grumpier type.
0: You do. Yes, this is true. He's he's far. You you would not get on with Robin. He's far too earnest.
1: Oh, he's far too earnest. I'd I'd need I'd need a paracetamol just to just like look at him. Just like, oh for God's sake, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Holy headache. <laughs>
0: So is, is it worth going through the story of this or summarizing the story of this? Because it's it's very it's very generic. It's um, well, it's to do with it, it's to do with the wax. I say it's generic, like the way it's plotted out is quite generic. It's it's the It's very formulaic in Batman. Mm. Formulaic—that's the word I'm thinking. Not generic. Formulaic. So it, it starts with a wax museum. If there's ever a wax museum in a TV show? Yeah. Nice things never happen in wax museums. No, it's telly. true.
1: But I tell you what, one really nice thing that happened in the wax museum was Madame Soleil's dress. It's beautiful.
0: Oh yeah, I noticed that. That was wonderful. It was like orange.
1: It was like orange with red flowers. Oh, it was beautiful. And like little little fully sleeves. It was gorgeous. Yeah, Madame Soleil
0: owned She's like the Madame Two Swords. Yes. So it's this French lady, but she's still alive. Luckily, And yeah, so so the Riddler steals the waxwork of Batman in order to melt him down because it's made of a certain type of wax, which has...
1: A universal wax solvent.
0: That's right. So it's very good for opening safes without using a detonator so that they can get into a safe in a library Mm -hmm. because you have to be quiet in libraries Mm -hmm. and then steal a book about ancient incan treasure mm-hmm. so that he can then find the ancient incan treasure mm-hmm. and steal it and it just so happens that the book directs him towards a sarcophagus which is going on display in Gotham museum like that weekend
1: yeah that's lucky in it he got out of prison just in time
0: yeah and didn't have to go to uh, south america he he was able to just a couple of blocks down the street it's a story it's it's just to allow stuff to happen, really, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> the actual plot's neither here nor there, really. It's just <laughs> stuff stuff <laughs> happening for our entertainment.
1: <laughs> that is very, very true.
0: There is no point at which we are on the edge of our seat, wondering how this is going to turn out.
1: When I said that we were going to do the, the three stories, and, and I was a little bit apologetic. I wasn't apologetic at all. But I do kind of feel a bit <laughs> guilty for, for saying three rather than two because it works out yeah. at, at 50 minutes for, for each story. Um, <clears throat> you were a little bit worried that Batman was really dense, and I'm like, nah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's
1: not. I... <laughs> no, we're, we're good here. <laughs> it's it's literally the same story but with
0: different people. <laughs> it's fine. We're good. It's pretty, it is pretty much. It, it is just some weird theme villain. Mm. in a strange costume always has a glamorous lady sidekick who who obviously he has no interest in romantically but she's usually very impressed by batman and that's often the undoing of the villain is that she's very interested in batman the the, the lady sidekick is to varying degrees not really invested in what's going on she's she's quite often more interested in doing her makeup this is true and they they use their themed villainy to do some outlandish plot to do something awful to Gotham and or Batman get some money and be rich and Batman foils them and that's essentially what happens in every story, certainly the three we watched.
1: Yes. Okay, thanks for tuning in, guys
0: <laughs> There's two things to enjoy. It's the, the central characters being very earnest and they get all the gags really. I mean, it doesn't really have it's not a comedy, it doesn't really have jokes. No. It's all about how it's played. Yes. The jokes are them being over-innocent, over-explaining things.
1: Yes, or like weirdly having the knowledge, like in the scene where there's the little the little fight in the library um, and the Riddler and his cohorts escape. Batman and Robin find traces of the universal wax solvent and they take it back to the Batcave and put it through the Bat-spectro-analyzer, because, of course, they find out what it's made of. Even though they, they they only get details on three elements, Batman randomly knows that it's a universal wax solvent. Yes, <laughs> and it's like how how how? Okay. Well, not
0: only that, that they work out from the initials of the elements the initials of the elements are n-u-s which means nothing but if you reverse it it spells sun and french for sun is sole, soleil yeah and madame soleil runs the waxwork museum so that must be where he's going for so it's, it's kind of incredibly convoluted clues that he's interpreting with with a straight face everything's done with a straight face
1: of course
0: robin you've done it again chum <laughs> <Yes. laughs> or um Commissioner Gordon says into his, you know, he says to his secretary over his intercom, get me my good friend, the millionaire Bruce Wayne. I expect he'll be at his stately residence, Wayne Manor. (laughs) Which is exactly how people speak.
2: Bonnie, get me my good friend, millionaire Bruce Wayne. I expect he'll be at his stately residence, Wayne Manor.
0: It's quite a unique style of comedy. Like there's not much else does that.
1: No, and it was really like Lorenzo Semple Jr. and William Dozier who, who created the show. They purposely wrote it that way. Auditions took quite a while. Um, Lyle Wagoner was uh, up for the role of Batman, but lost lost out to Adam West because Adam West was, at the time, doing a serial advert, and he, it was like a, a big spoof on James Bond, and he did this ridiculous dialogue with a completely straight face as you as you would imagine Adam West to do. Ah, oh,
2: Captain Q, join me in a glass of delicious chocolate quick, Would you? Thank you, Doctor, I could use some energy. <laughs> Incidentally, one of those torpedoes you fired at me was circling and... You're sunk. <laughs> Toodaloo, Captain Q! Some people will do anything to get rich, quick.
1: Toodaloo. When Lorenzo Semple Jr. saw him, he was like, that's him, that's him. It did get down to two pairs um, and two different screen tests were were filmed. One with Adam West and Burt Ward and one with Lyle Wagner and Peter Dayell. I've seen both screen tests and the chemistry between Adam West and Burt Ward just like completely popped off the screen they were just meant to be together and for both of them like both of them said you know right right through the the rest of Adam West's life the minute they met each other it was like it was a total love at first sight thing even though there was like there's like a 17 year age gap between them so like almost a complete generation between them the the second they met they started speaking to each other it was just like yep this is it we get we get it like, this is, this is us now. We are... We they are do, the and they do
0: totally get it. I mean, that they're, they're clearly on the same wavelength, com- comedy-wise.
1: I think that the nice thing is that everybody who went on Batman, everybody went on Batman because they loved Batman, and everybody loved Adam and Bert because it was such a... It was just such a nice environment to be in, to work in. Oh,
0: that's good. One
1: of Adam... What... <laughs> one of adam west's favorite stories to tell was that hmm, because they didn't just sort of like hang around each other sort of in the studio they they went out and had adventures as well uh adam west was once um kicked out of an orgy with with (laughs) with frank gorshin because they both went in (laughs) in character (laughs) (laughs) and wouldn't break character <laughs> <laughs> and they got kicked out for being too ridiculous <laughs> and that's my favourite story of all time ever
0: <laughs> no that would be intense <laughs> so long in character
1: oh they're going around possessively touching everything it's uh, yes it would it would happen
0: He's very high tension, and he has that high-pitched giggle, which I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix uses for the Joker in Joker movie.
1: Oh, uh, I see. Frank Gorshin spent, like about, spent about two weeks trying to perfect that giggle and like figure out which giggle he was going to use. And he, he, he practised at a dinner party and frightened somebody, and he was like, OK, that's the one, that's the one, let me remember. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's quite sinister. I mean, particularly that opening scene with the red fluid. It's never explained what the red fluid is, that he sprays over all the, the guests at the wax museum.
1: I presume it's just red But that's
0: skin. that's actually a genuinely creepy scene, that opening. I, I, I think he is... The other two villains we meet are silly. Yes,
1: he's but not I think silly.
0: Ridley is, is genuinely sinister. And I think he's actually... You have the juxtaposition with the zaniness. Mm. Whereas I think, like, as great as um, Heath Ledger is... Being the Joker, and he was, really he was really good. Yeah. There's no juxtaposition because he's in that version of Gotham, which is very dark and very brooding and bad man i So it's all part of the same thing, the part of the same melee. Yeah. And I used to find the villains quite scary when I was little, but I think particularly the Riddler. Yeah. The Riddler and the the Penguin, I found quite creepy as well. I found Burgers Penguin Malibith quite is, creepy. Yeah. No. No. I'm, I'm with yeah.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. They they loved in fact the writers loved uh Burgess Meredith so much that they always had a script handy just in case he decided to show up on set one day.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that's handy. That's and good.
1: They would just com. They just completely just like stop whatever they were doing and be like Burgess is here, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, he's 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 one of those people that crops up in Twilight Zone quite a lot, and he's always really good value.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's good. But um, actually, the Ring of Wax, given the Axe episodes. That is Riddler at his most genial. He, oh,
0: really? Oh, crikey! He gets He's pretty way, sinister,
1: way more intense. He's there's there's an episode where they kidnap a king. A Riddler day keeps the Riddler away, and while the rats away, the mice will play. He is so sinister in that, and it's it is quite terrifying. And then in in I, if if I'd have been really selfish, I would have met, made us watch three Riddler stories because. <laughs> just like I, I could watch frank gorshi act all day my favorite riddler story which i didn't choose simply because the one that i did choose was funnier is um one of the last stories of, of season one where he it, it the the theme is uh silent films and he comes in doing an impersonation of charlie chaplin which is just absolutely spot on uh because I'm, I'm as you know i'm a massive charlie Chaplin fan. Um, um so like that's that's one of my favorite things seeing my favorite people be my favorite people but he's really he's really sinister and really intense in that as well he's just like you just kind of want to just like make him sit down and have a cup of tea <laughs>
0: you know. Give him a neck massage or
1: uh, yeah come on Edlof, it's all right <laughs> control yourself you'll spurt <laughs>
0: one of the things i wrote down it benefits from not having a laugh track which i think it is i
1: think that as well yeah
0: i think that's the main thing that annoyed me about the monkeys it was the laugh track Uh, yeah i'll decide if the joke's funny (laughs) (laughs) because often it's not Mm. (laughs) i'm fine if it's an actual audience you know reacting in real time to the joke or you know whatever but but when it's canned laughter it's just you can really tell yeah i think often because there's not enough delay you need time for the brain to process it and get that it's a joke and then laugh yeah. But I think often with canned laughter they put it bang on the joke so you can tell it, it's fake.
1: And sometimes if there's like a few jokes all like next to each other, you can't hear some of the subsequent yes. jokes. Like, wait, let, let me listen.
0: Shh. I like how a lot of the jokes go under the radar. They're not necessarily laugh out loud, funny jokes, but I just they're there that I appreciate them. Like the the bit where they come to the safe and there's a big hole in it and the door's hanging open and batman says it looks like a robbery
2: <laughs>
0: the show itself is not in the tall the the show is the opposite of subtle but the jokes are quite subtle the
1: the jokes that oh i really love in that in that library scene where they go in and the the librarian's a little bit swoony and batman and robin just you know say to the woman have you seen any unusual looking people and she says in what way unusual? And he goes, their garb. <laughs> and, then, and then he describes the Riddler and she's like, well, to be honest with you, I see so many people during the course of the day. It can't be, but it is
2: the dynamic duo. Can I be of any help to you at all? Have you seen any unusual looking people around here? Unusual? In what way unusual? Their garb. For instance, a man wearing a bright green suit with big black question marks on it.
1: Let me think a moment. No, I can't say that I have offhand, but then I see so many people in the course of the day.
0: Often I think they're gags you appreciate rather than laugh out loud at.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much. During the cliffhanger moment when uh, Batman and Robin are being lowered into...
0: Oh yes, the obligatory protracted execution scene. Yes. I wonder wh- I wonder what the first ever instance of two characters tied together being slowly lowered towards a bubbling vat was because this is exactly that. It's it's not a, it's not a variation on it. It no, is it.
1: That's it. Yes. They they don't mess about. But um, when they say why didn't you just use, why didn't you just use TNT? Have you ever been in a quiet library when TNT went off? It makes a frightening noise!
0: The glamorous sidekick in this one is Moth, uh, played by Linda Scott, who who I know from the film Westworld. She plays a robot sex worker. Oh. Yeah, that's the only thing I've ever seen her in before. But there's a bit later on where they're disguised as as waxworks and she's wearing a Revolutionary War uniform. And she's the spitting image of Liz Fraser from the Carry On films.
1: Yeah, she is. You do kind of get the sense that, like, the Riddler perhaps smooches people sometimes which you don't get from, from the others. But I think, again, that choice, I think it was possibly an acting choice and that kind of, like, adds to his intensity because he's, like, the only one who's just, like, so intense with all of the emotions constantly.
0: Of the three we watched, he seems to be the one who's doing a rounded character mm. where the other two are doing turns. Yeah,
1: and, I, I mean, even the even the YouTube video that we saw, when he went from do it, from just, like, having a little chat with Dean Martin to when he... Started with the riddler, bit you physically saw him changing, and you saw his stance change, his posture change, his voice change, his face, his facial expression. Like he properly goes, you 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 just saw him transform before your eyes.
0: Yeah, his riddler dance is quite creepy as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It's very, sort of it like
1: is leprechauny sort of very leprechauny. Yeah, I haven't thought of that, but
0: yes. Shall we move on to uh, Let's the move next, on,
1: sorry. The
0: next double. The Curse of Tut, The Pharaoh's in a Rut are the two episode titles. Yeah, so I, I quite appreciated seeing the obscure villains. So we all know Riddler and Catwoman and Joker and Penguin. So it was nice to see a couple of the ones that I was less familiar with. It's it's I'm somebody who would rather watch a documentary about Luca Badoa or... Gaston Matsakani than I would a documentary about Michael Schumacher or Ayrton Senna and similarly you know I'll, I'll I'm I, I like seeing the obscure villains or reading the obscure Mr. Men books when I was little rather than the you know Mr. Tickle and Mr. Bump I want to once you don't see it so much I like that sort of thing
1: yeah I, I I get that. King Tut actually was a, a villain that was created specifically for the television series, and he didn't...
0: Ah, so he's not from the... Um... He's
1: not, no, he's not from the DC
0: Comics world. Ah, I see. Yeah, I mean, that kind of shows. he's He, he, he does have a bit of a different flavour from the others, in a way. Uh, so, I did a little cheer when it came up that it was Victor Buono. I yes. don't know if that, that's how you pronounce it, but I don't know if people be familiar with him instantly but he is probably most famous uh from the film whatever happened to baby jane and he's kind of the comedy foil in that he's it was a very dark and strange and grand guignol film but it has victor buono really (laughs)
1: grand guignol
0: the grandest of all grand guignol that film victor bueno's playing the suitor of which i think but i think baby jane herself i think he's playing her suitor and yes he's in this playing king tut he is a uh, a college lecturer a university lecturer who got a bump on the head during a student riot and now thinks he is a reincarnation of king tut and that gotham is a is that really the city of where, where is, it? is he thinks he is again i can't remember somewhere in no, egypt I can't yeah, one of the ancient Egypt Egyptian cities. He, so he he's yeah. His thing is that he wants to become ruler of it.
1: He wants to become ruler of Gotham. That's it. And, uh, he, and somehow it's all Batman's fault. But we're never hundred percent sure why.
0: It's always Batman's fault. <sighs> this is t- this is twenty eight year old Victor Buono.
1: Yes, who looks like he's in 48. his forty eight easily, easily.
0: Yes, he's in in whatever happened to Baby Jane, where he's playing effectively middle aged. He's twenty-four. Oh dear. He's not taking it at all seriously, whereas uh, most of the other actors are taking it seriously. He is just doing a turn, which could be tiring or tiresome or inappropriate. But I just find him really entertaining.
1: He really just is. Just him
0: personally. Just whenever he's on screen, I'm just really happy because he's doing.
1: He's his wonderful. Thing. He's wonderful. I've never seen yeah. I've never seen whatever happened to Baby Jane, but I have seen Victor Bono on loads of television shows and in loads. Like he, he he was like a. He wasn't exactly a member of the Rat Pack, but he was definitely Rat Pack adjacent, and he was in a few of the Rat Pack films. Yeah,
0: um, he, he's not cool enough for Rat Pack. Well,
1: I just, I just don't think he could be bothered with the with the commitment, frankly. But everything you see him in, and I have seen him in quite a few things aside from Batman, he is always just it's just his show. It's just it's just hi. It was it was it was nice to turn up. Uh, thank you, thank you, regulars, for coming onto my show that I'm guest starring on. Like how William Shatner owned The Man From U.N.C.L.E. in that episode. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, he, he owns it in a slightly different way. but it, In a very different way. It's definitely... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a performance. It's a type. He's, he's definitely doing that kind of exasperated, fussy, megalomaniac sort of thing, isn't
1: he? It's ba- basically, you know, like false stuff in a pharaoh's uniform. He makes this larger-than-life television show look normal sized. He was made for a show like Batman.
2: You may rise Lyle subjects we are pleased to inform you that phase one of our royal master plan has succeeded as prophesied. Hey that's great boss I mean your royal highness phase two will now be put into being. Are there any questions? I got one. You may speak royal scrivener like, why? I mean, why dip that hunk of rock in the park to tip off the suckers what we're gonna do? You're a twit. It's merely a sovereign subterfuge to exterminate a winged rodent once and for all. Batman. He should be biting at the bait about now. Oh, boy. All hail to King Tut, great pawn of thieves. Nemesis of the Nile. Thank you, Grand Vizier, thank you. It was delightfully spoken. However, just on the off chance that the dynamic duo should elude our snick-snack snare, battle stations for the Royal we will lend our sinister sphinx support. This
1: is my sister Joes favorite story she just she just was crying laughing the way that nefertiti just casually ate a hot dog
0: and he's and they're, they're all sat around in this this palatial environment he's got this beautiful like all these gold statues and palm leaves and they're all sitting around watching stock car racing on telly yeah one of the gags i like in this is well it's, it's sort of it, it's it's another type of humour. This has lots of different types of humour. I think one of the same things I was saying before is like the Batman half of things has that particular sense of humour, which is very dry and quite subtle. But the villain half of things has a completely different style of humour, which is quite interesting. It's like two diff- two comedy shows side by side. Yeah. So the thing I like in this is like he's given these these henchmen quite sort of High office in his kingdom, so it's one of them. His chancellor or something—I can't remember exactly what he calls them. But they're just—they're just dopey New York blokes. They got the real sort of okay George <laughs> sort of New York accents. And they're real, just sort of you know schmoes. Sh-
1: yeah, the henchmen in this one, particularly, as opposed to like most other ones, really just seem to be placating. King Tut, rather than being 100% in. <laughs> yes. They're just like, this is a stupid idea. And he's like, <laughs> huh, how dare you? I'm a king, bro. King Tut genuinely just looks at, at the guy and goes, you're a twit. <laughs>
0: yes, that was funny. <laughs> I also liked when the, this gold statue of a Sphinx appears in... It's not huge, it's probably like 10, 12 feet tall. Mm. It appears in Central Park. For some reason, a woman screams, which is a a slight overreaction to sudden appearance of uh, a a statue, but there we go. And then the the second time it speaks, it makes this grand doom-laden pronouncement about, you know, if you do, if you cross us, then there should be death.
2: Holy hurricane, what's that? I think it means the Sphinx is going to make another pronouncement. Now hear this, now hear this, whosoever transgresses upon the sacred sphinx shall be smitten down by Anubis, the jackal god, guardian of the cemeteries. And that goes double for Batman.
0: Batman gets captured and he gets put in the dungeon alongside Nefertiti who is displeased Tut. So they both get put into those big Egyptian clay vases and they get Pebbles drop to their heads, so they go crazy.
1: They do go crazy. They recite a "Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder where you're at." Yes, and um, it's very sweet. <laughs> uh,
0: and then to prove that they are under King Tut's will, he makes them do a dance. Yes, uh, the and, and Batman's dance. Batman flailing. It's a thing of wonder. <laughs> it's really. the
1: most glorious uh-uh. thing.
0: It's a shame this is a podcast because you can't see Batman
1: doing dancing. the thing. Yeah, no, I'm go- I'm going to have to try and like screen record it and like add it to Twitter or something like that. Because you all you all deserve to see Batman dancing the batutsi at some point in your life and then turning <laughs> it into a big fight scene.
0: Yes. Pow.
1: Pow. They went.
0: I mean, we haven't we haven't mentioned all the pow third crump stuff, but I'm not sure there's anything else need saying about that. It's so ingrained in popular culture. It's another one of those things that people who have never seen Batman know about the pow crash! Ouch! Wallop! Yes. Captions, don't they really? And actually, they're not. I always had it in my mind that they were like um, cards. You know, not cards, but you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, but no, it's just uh, words superimposed. That, yeah, yeah, they, they animate the words onto the screen rather than cutting to illustrated. Cards. So that was that was a thing that I learned. And we have yeah, we have the ninety degree wall climb as well. That other oh yeah, Batman staple. See that a couple of times. There's one appearance of the uh, bat signal. Mm-hmm. So it's all going on. Uh, plenty of holy. There's a lot of holyings.
1: Do you have do you have a particular favourite holy?
0: I don't. I there was they came too quick and fast for me to really remember. Do you?
1: I do have a favourite holy. It's not in any of the episodes that we watch. It was it's from a series two Catwoman episode, and I can't even remember which one. I just know it's Catwoman, um, and it's during the time they are in their elaborate cliffhanger mode. Batman and Robin are tied to griddles and placed under giant magnifying glasses on top of a skyscraper. And Catwoman is explaining to them, and she said, and also, the griddles have been smeared with butter to help you bake faster. (laughs) And Robin says, holy olio! And she says, I didn't know you could yodel. Oh, dear. (laughs) It killed me. It killed me dead, Adam. It was one of those. It was one of those where I laughed so much I had to switch the television off and leave the room so I could. <laughs> but there are so there are so many good. Holy Benedict Arnold, that's a good one. Holy astringent plum like fruit.
0: It sounds like it gets more more comedic as it goes along.
1: Yeah it it, it gets it gets really. And certainly by series three when they bring back girl in, it's just like Oh love.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Oh
1: heck. Oh. oh I'm a bit old. I think I need to lie down after all of this. Um Heavens. Yeah, it's it's just it does get wackier. Holy priceless collection of <laughs> Etruscan snoods.
0: <laughs> Speaking of snoods, uh I was throughout I was absolutely fascinated by uh, Batman's black and purple hood. It's nice, isn't it? On that really clear definition, you can you can see it much more clearly. That it's, I think, maybe black leather and then the purple, very dark purple silk. So they're nearly the same colour. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think you wouldn't know it wasn't the, all the same colour until you see it on that high definition. Yeah, I was just fascinated by it.
1: I tell you what, I was fascinated by on Batman when, uh, and this this is while I'm while I'm building this up, this is sounding rude, but it's really not rude. What I particularly noticed on Batman in the high definition thing was his utility belt. Oh yeah. Now, if you look really closely, if you if you rewatch any episodes, and if you get to watch any episodes, if you're listening to this, you get to watch any episodes in HD, you will note that. Batman's utility belt does not have pockets; it has sponges—oh, yellow sponges glued to the belt.
0: Just because that's a cheap way of making blocks, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's quite fun. Yeah, and they would have never, yeah, you know, they would have never intended it to have been seen in high def. so They could get away with that. Sort no, of, of
1: course thing. not. Of course not.
0: Fifty-six years later,
1: it just makes me chuckle every time. Every time I see, um, <laughs> like obviously everything's everything's still labelled when there's uh when there's a close up on, you know, like, you know, bat pills and bat gas. Uh, yeah, I like
0: the labelling. I
1: love the labelling. That's like, my, my favourite bit, go- sorry, I, I promise I I'll stop banging on about Frank Gorshin now, but my favourite, <laughs> my favourite label is in Ring of Wax when they're in the library and they're looking, they're looking for, for the book on the lost treasure of the Incas and there's just one book on a shelf that is labelled Rare old books an on enormous,
0: tr- a <laughs> big, huge sign.
1: Rare old books on lost treasures of the Incas.
0: <laughs> they go there. It is
1: <laughs> after a giant search. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love them. I love them all. I swear, honestly. But yeah, Batman's outfit. It, 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 Bat- Batman's cowl especially is just it's, be- it's beautifully mm. made that the outfits are both beautifully it made really is
0: well we're on uh the next the, the following two episodes are called the bookworm turns followed by well gotham city burns i do also like roddy mcdowell he's, he's just, our villain of the week
1: he is our another villain obscure
0: of the villain another very handsome
1: another one who was made just for the television series, and um, it upsets oh, really? okay. it upsets me that this is his only story because I thought the bookworm was a great character. He was looking very handsome. I loved that suit.
0: Yeah, so he wears this very thick brown, shiny brown leather suit and trilby, yes, with with a gold tie and gold trim. So it, it's supposed to look like uh, vintage book covers. So it's like this suit. It doesn't really look like that but that's what it's supposed to look like. This this suit made out of very thick, creaky leather. Uh, and this leather trilby. And the leather trilby has a an angle poise lamp coming from the forehead of it. So it's his reading light. So it's a very eccentric outfit and everyone has very thick glasses. He has these big thick goggles and all of his henchmen have very thick, little round glasses and archive TV people will know the reference if I say uh, the War Games. It's exactly like that. They've got these little round pebble glasses.
1: And you were mentioning the glasses for a reason.
0: They have to take the glasses off before they fight because Batman won't punch anyone wearing glasses. And he says to Robin, never punch a man with glasses. So That's right. Rather than keep the glasses on so that Batman won't fight back, they very politely take their glasses off so that it's a fair fight so that they can get beaten up by Batman. <laughs> Which they do. They do. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs>
1: just
0: your opinion oh wait <laughs> <laughs> but no it's a great it's a great costume it's a really distinctive outfit he's wearing he, he looks quite creepy as well he, he, he does he doesn't play it as creepy as he i think roddy mcdowell's just far too nice he's already not nu- he, he's a very comforting presence so he doesn't have that taut manic energy of frank gershon but he looks quite creepy
1: he does look quite creepy i've seen roddy mcdowell like roddy mcdowell is, is a famous baddie in every disney film ever made from about 1964 to about 1978 so like i've seen him i've seen him as a baddie in a lot of things and he is he's always a very ineffectual inoffensive baddie he's more of an irritant than a than, than an antagonist <laughs>
0: proper yeah i think i mainly remember it known from either planet of the apes where he's a good guy or he's in the Poseidon adventure so I think I tend to know him more pl- from playing sympathetic characters. And oh, right. Gentle well, we, characters.
1: We, we are coming towards Roddy and McDowell from completely different angle, angles.
0: No, he oh, has I a right hissy fit in this. Oh. He probably kicks off.
1: Oh, he does.
0: Oh. oh, it's books, my sweet Lydia.
2: Books. Books. That's the secret of my success. Books. Oh, oh I'll read them all. I inherit the wisdom of the ages. Every plot ever devised is here inside my head.
0: Oh, bookworm, with a mind like yours, I wonder why you don't write your own bestseller.
2: Shut up! Oh, don't you dare say that to me. But look where my. Oh, no, you, 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 you're taunting me, aren't you? No, but why? Yes, yes, you are. You're taunting, oh, mocking no. me. And why? Why? Because I have no originality. And why? Why? Because I'm only the master of stolen plots. BAM! Well, this. This will teach you oh, when no. it comes.
1: He does. Um, I I really liked it because it kind of seemed to reflect an actual conversation that we'd had like a couple of days earlier when uh, we, we were talking about people who people who write and sometimes people who people who are writers don't write because they are actual writers. They write because they want to be they want to have written a book, which is very true. This is the bookworm's entire problem. He is a voracious reader. Says himself he knows every single plot of every single book.
0: He's too derivative, kind of. Well, I think he's too suffused in. He knows too much about literature. That he can't separate himself from it, I think. See, I'm, I'm reading a lot of psychological motivation. Into yeah, me, I, I'll, I think I will go with that. I think he he can't think of new things because there's nothing, there's no room left in his brain for thinking of new ideas because he's he's got so much literature in there. Yeah, because he the he's
1: the only one, he's the only person in Batman who actually has a superpower. He picks up this giant book to.
0: Oh, that's right. I remember. Yes, bludgeon
1: the girl to death with. Um then he sees the uh, he sees the title is uh, a manual on self control, and he opens it and he runs his hands along each page and he memorises the whole book. So that's he, that's an actual literal superpower, and no other Batman character has got a superpower. Oh right, okay, not, not even not even Batman. Batman's just got a. Fast not star. even
0: blooming Batman. No, he's just got a leotard. He's just
1: got a <laughs> leotard and a load of labels.
0: <laughs> and a a silk snud. Oh, yeah. So speaking of the Batmobile, I actually had a little toy Batmobile when I was little, so it was quite uh, nostalgic seeing that. But does every... 60s American TV show have a mobile because there's the monkey mobile, Mm. the the banana splits went around in a vehicle or so. I think they had a vehicle very similar to the monkey mobile.
1: The partridge family Uh, had that giant bus.
0: There's uh, in Star Trek, there's the Kirk mobile, the big, the big white spaceship they fly around in. Yeah,
1: that's that's what it's called. The Kirk (laughs) mobile, yeah,
0: that's the name of it. The Kirk mobile, yeah, it's for picking up the ladies. Um. So yeah, I think every American TV show of the sixties had a mobile. They, they all had, like had a mobile. Kind
1: of they even had, in fact,
0: variation on the June buggy. In
1: fact, even like from from series from series two onwards in the Man from Uncle, Napoleon and Ilya had their own their own vehicle. But oh. for some unknown reason, it wasn't like the solo mobile. It wasn't like the Uncle mobile. No, 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 no. no. Hmm. <clears throat> it was called the Thrush mobile.
0: <laughs> oh crumbs.
1: I I don't think they specifically used it when battling thrush but it just sounded like a it, it sounded like a, a hotbed of of, of activity <laughs> <laughs> like really why why did they not think it through
0: there's a gag I like in this when they have to execute a very quick turn. They're going at high speed in the Batmobile, so they they deploy the parachute and then they eject the parachutes when they're used. So they call the Batmobile Parachute Pickup Service, which is just this blue van which seems to always be waiting by the side of the road. Yeah, they, it's
1: been there for the phone three call to
0: stuff. go. Yeah, to go pick up the parachute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Oh yes, and we also have a guest, a guest appearance, a particularly irksome guest appearance. Oh
1: yes, from from the most cheerful man in Hollywood ever.
0: Or possibly one of the least liked of all men outside of Mickey Rooney, I think. Mm. Uh, Jerry Lewis Jerry turns, Lewis. turns Lewis. up.
1: Jerry Lewis turns <laughs> up
0: doing his. Yeah. Yes. He Jerry. doesn't quite do that, but he's he doesn't. His big grinning face appears from the wind. So they're doing the ninety degree back, back loop. Clan climb back climb that's the one and he appears from the window and it's fine but but it sort of gives you an idea that it gives you an idea why batman works because people like him aren't in it
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i think if, if if jerry lewis was in it mm. it would be unwatchable it would
1: be awful like that was that's i, I feel like the 30 seconds he was on screen is enough jerry lewis for anyone
2: i have the curious feeling this is all some kind of literary plot Let's out him, Batman. Let's refuse to bite. We must, Robin. It's the only are way we can... Batman? Ca- oh, oh, you must be, because that's Robin. Hi, Robin. Yes, citizen, but don't be alarmed. We're here on official business. Holy human flies.
1: The open window greeting to Batman thing, that became a thing, and...
0: Oh, yeah, that rings a bell. That was a regular thing, uh, now you mentioned it.
1: Different act- actors and actresses, like peop- like. Quite A-list celebrities of, of the time would like be clamouring to get a guest spot on Batman so that they could just open the window and say Oh my goodness it's Batman! <laughs> hi Batman, hi boy wonder.
0: The beginning of the second half, the second episode, the scene with Chief O'Hara and Batman is very funny. Boy Wonder has been kidnapped. He's tied to the clapper of a bell, a really big bell, so he's in danger. Big Benjamin. Big Benjamin, that's right. It's the only male bell in the city, and that's how they, they work out a clue. Yeah, Batman, actually, he starts to lose his cool unusually. He he gets a bit fraught and frantic.
2: Oh, worse news too, Batman. Uh,
0: you know that alleyway where you said we'd find the
2: Boy Wonder? Yes. A garden yes. bookworm's mom? yes. Don't tell me! You guessed it. Great heavens! I'd better try to contact Robin instantly on the utility belt wavelength. Robin? Robin, do you receive me? Robin! Over. The tricky devils. They've turned the tables and caught Robin. I'll call headquarters. Throw out the dragnet. No, wait a minute, Chief O'Hara. Let me turn my memory back. He strikes at midnight, she said. But we know the bookworm's changed his plans. Don't interrupt! I'm trying to fathom the subconscious of a deadly criminal.
0: This episode is weird. I wrote that down. This episode is weird. At one point, they find a kitchen hidden inside a giant cookbook. That's very surreal. That is very surreal. Huge 15-foot-tall cookbook in the middle of the street, and inside it, they find a kitchen.
1: There is no plot really to talk about because it's just seeing these bright, wonderful images and seeing people do things rather than the stories themselves because with the best will in the world and with all of the love in my heart, there is no real story.
0: No, I can see how it makes good comfort watching because there is no surprises other than quite how surreal it can be at times. But in terms of story, there's no surprises and there's no real tension. No, there's not. Some of these modern, long-running American shows... They can be quite stressful to watch because they're so gripping and like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Yes. Oh, no, we've just learned. Oh, no. And his best friends turn out to be working for the other side. How does this affect things? I've got to watch the next five episodes now. The
1: only other thing that I had on my list of things that I wanted to mention was the camera angles. The, the, come on, Heather, words, you can do this. I've been doing so well. Dutch tilts. Dutch tilts. Again, that was a conscious decision um, to differentiate between the good guys and the bad guys because the, right. the Dutch tilt scenes are only used when the villains are on screen. I see. So I hadn't spotted there are, that. they're at a crooked angle to show that the villains are crooked. The questions now. Uh, what was your favourite and least favourite story?
0: That's a good question because if we, as, as we've established, it's not really the story which is the thing. mm I think I liked the middle one best just because I got to watch Victor Bueno yeah. doing his things. And I think I think I liked the first one the least just because and, and and I sort of mean this in a good way, but the Riddler is really hard work. Like he's so full on that but at the end of 50 minutes you do need a bit of a lie down. Uh and I think I just like I say I liked seeing the obscure villains.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like I like that too. Um, who were your favourite and least favourite characters?
0: Um, that that's difficult as well because it is in two halves, isn't it? You've got the villain half and you've got the hero half, which is almost like two two separate shows. You can do both; it's fine. Yeah, I think my favourite villain was King Tut. Mm. I did like Batman himself as well, and it's quite it's quite good when you can actively like the central character in a show or a film rather than... Because if we, we've we discussed many times there is the central character syndrome where they are the blandest character in it. Uh, and in this case, Batman isn't.
1: No, he's not. He's, he's brilliant.
0: And I think if it hadn't been Adam West, he could well have been the blandest person in it. Because... He doesn't have a lot of personality, really. He just states things uh in a very serious way, mm. and Robin spends a lot of time making statements as well, and everything's really intense and urgent and I think that could be quite
1: everything has exclamation marks
0: it does, and I think that could be quite dull, but it's not it's so it's not because
1: they're to... so they're so sincere with it and um, adam Adam was really, really like he went through a phase of hating the whole Batman thing. But he came round, he came round again, he ended up really treasuring the fact that he was Batman and he took, he took his role, he still took his role response like really seriously. Um, Just like the legacy of Batman and and how many, how many lives it touched, how many, how many children just grew up, uh, how many children had wonderful memories of growing up because of Batman. And um, he, you know, he, he realised that it was a really privileged position that he was in. And um, uh oh well, he was just a sweetheart. And um, what were your favourite and least favourite things about the show?
0: I think my favourite thing was probably the bright and vivid colours mm. and just the aesthetic of the whole thing. Yes. Just how nice it was to look at with your eyes.
1: It's very it
0: was eye candy but not in a bad way eye candy is often used as a pejorative but i don't think it should be i think eye candy is a good thing
1: yes who doesn't who doesn't like
0: candy i think my least favorite aspect was just the formulaic nature of the stories i can see how it makes good comfort viewing but i think personally as a viewer i like surprises Mm. and i like like oh that's, this is this is doing something a bit different. Yeah. So I, I never at any stage really felt the the most unusual. It got was when they discovered a giant cookbook with a kitchen living inside. Uh, that was odd. That was odd. <laughs> but generally, story wise, was at no point of which I I was was really engaged with it because it was just going through the formula motion so that we can enjoy the things happening which is fine which is all good but yeah i I wasn't really
1: yeah no i i get that i think that probably is what contributed to its downfall because even though it is so much fun it is it's just what it is it's about my episode
0: there's only so many times you can watch that same plot
1: yes and it turns out 120 times to the time
0: I mean that you say it contributed to its downfall, but that's pretty good going.
1: It is pretty. It, it, it is, but I think it was, like I say, it was just total oversaturation. Just because because it wasn't even it wasn't even once a week. It was it, it was on two consecutive nights. Like it was on a Tuesday night, and then on the Wednesday night, it would it would be resolved. Yes, and it started out life as just um, it was just a mid-season filler. It wasn't even meant to be anything. It became such a hit because of all of the things that we've mentioned, but the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. I mean, like I say, I did watch the entire the entire thing and the film in a like two and a half, three week period. And by the end of it I was like, Oh God, can we just can we just please
0: just whoa (laughs) We just have some surprises. Yeah, I think it is I I think it's the point at which eye candy becomes a, you know sugar sugar overdose
1: yeah and you, you feel a little bit a little bit tummy achy
0: and you need to go and watch some 70s blake 7 i just need some beige just give me some <laughs> beige Give me
1: some beige, for god's sake
0: <laughs> Get some dark green flared trousers give
1: me some actual sarcasm <laughs>
0: yes i need avon
1: <laughs> that is a I move need to mainline all I some
0: avon <laughs> <laughs>
1: So thank you very, very much for thank you. sitting through all of that silliness and joy that was Batman. Um, I'm really uh, just thrilled to have shared it with you because I love it so much. And it brings back so many happy memories for me and things. And so, yes, I'm very happy. And thank you, everybody who's mm-hmm. listening in. Um, it's great to be back. We will be back again Next week, same bad time Same bad <laughs> channel um, Potentially I would, I Potentially on not next, next week. week But
0: we, we'll, we'll be back a couple, at Give it a couple of weeks
1: We'll be back at some stage um, with, with my next Takeover episode <laughs> And <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about this I'll give you a little clue mm. We're needed There you go uh, if you would like to get in touch with us at any stage you're more than welcome to we are on Twitter most of the time Adam more so than me um, we are at retro underscore tube if you're not really into twittering you can always email us our email address is retrotubepodcast at gmail.com that is always manned by me um, I'm pretty good to getting back to you as well it's ladied so, um, by you it's ladyed by me that sounds really rude um, I, I will be replying is what I'm trying to say um, <laughs> so yes you're, you're more than welcome to get in touch that way as well I genuinely have no more words left in my brain I am 100% done Adam would you like to use us the last word
0: holy lots of editing to do <laughs> I love it This is Adam S. Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. My folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. Don't talk to strangers, don't play on the farm, and don't go to Almonby. Heather's on-off boyfriend Stephen has gone to the mysterious village of Almonby. He went for two weeks, and no one has seen him in six months. The only trace of him which remains is his voice, distantly calling for help, drifting across the fizz of shortwave radio. With a couple of friends in tow, Heather sets off through a warped, distended version of the English countryside, baking in perpetual summer, to track Stephen down, and to find out for herself why everyone says, don't go to Almondby. Author Eric LaRocca called Lost in the Garden, eerily enchanting and profoundly inventive, a dreamy and unsettling masterwork. This is one of the freshest and most spiritually rewarding novels I've read in quite some time. And author Matt Wozolowski described it as like trying to recall a troubling and beautiful dream. It's like peering through a wound in the world, sorrowful and uncanny and utterly stunning. This book is magnificent, like nothing I've ever read before. Thank you, Matt and Eric. Lost in the Garden by Adam S. Leslie, published by Dead Books, priced at 10 99 Look for the pink and white cover.